Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Thanks, Sim. Okay, let's just pray first of all. So, Holy Spirit, we want to ask that you would come and hover over us. I pray you take the words that I'm speaking and plant them in our hearts so they produce fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is the last in the series on prayer where we've looked at the Lord's Prayer specifically, which you can find in Matthew 6 and today's talk on spiritual warfare. Now, have you ever been on a beautiful walk, maybe where you've got big hills towering over green forests, a babbling brook nearby, and you look around, it's so breathtakingly beautiful, and you stand there and wonder, looking at the blue sky and listening to the brook. But babbling brooks can become rivers, and rivers can rage with their destructive power and force and speed. Have you ever felt that the forces in life are pushing you over? when that beautiful brook has become a raging river and you are battling against a current? How is it that something so peaceful and calm can change sometimes really suddenly to something that's catastrophic and frightening? Sometimes events in life seem to be stacked against us by the sheer number of them of the nature of the event itself. Well, Jesus talked about a very real force that is sometimes involved in these events. And that force has a name and is a person, and it's Satan. And when we oppose him, we are engaging in spiritual warfare. Now, spiritual warfare is talked about everywhere, in blockbuster movies, in books, but for some reason in the church, we don't really talk about it very much. Why is that? Maybe we just like to ignore it and focus on the good aspects of Christianity, like God loves us. Or maybe in the West, it doesn't quite fit in with our technological, science-based view of life. Maybe in other cultures, but good heavens, not in good old England. We don't have that kind of stuff going on. But Jesus calls the devil Satan, which means adversary or enemy. In fact, he also called him a liar, a thief, an accuser, and he knows he's out to harm us. And he cites one of the key reasons for coming to earth was to destroy the works of the devil. So today we're going to look at who Satan is, how he works, and how we can use the power of God to enable us to fight against him. But before we do, I want to get something very clearly in perspective. God enables us to fight Satan. Jesus is fighting for us, and he is always praying for us, and he is with us in every difficulty. And at times, he does rescue us from terrible situations. If you are currently in a situation where you feel overwhelmed, then call on God fervently, and he is able to rescue us. The Bible tells us that. You know, I can testify to that. When I was in a, a teenager, I was in a very bad way, and I attempted suicide. But God intervened and directly saved my life. Behind the scenes, I didn't know, but there were people praying for me that I had never even met. And I still struggle with depression intermittently throughout my life. But with counselling and God's help, I finally overcame this about a decade later. Now, spiritual warfare is a Christian concept about resisting or fighting Satan, who's supported by other evil spirits. And there are lots of stories in the Old and New Testament that are based around this entire concept. And Jesus himself in Matthew 4 was tempted by Satan. He tells us to expect ourselves to be tempted and harassed by Satan. And that's why in the Lord's Prayer we are told to pray for protection from evil. 
So who is Satan and what is his game? Well, Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14 tells us that Satan was originally a being called Lucifer, which his name means light bearer, and he was a cherub. Now, don't get confused with Victorian chubby children cherubs with little wings. That is not what a cherub is in the Bible. We see in Ezekiel that cherubs are terrifying beings. They've got four faces, six wings, wheels that kind of intersect with each other. They're covered all over with eyes, front and back. They are terrifying and beautiful. Now, Lucifer was created as a guardian cherub, but he rebelled against God because he wanted to elevate himself above God and be worshipped. And at this point, because of his rebellion, he's cast out of heaven and he's given a new name that represents his new status, Satan, meaning the enemy. And we know that in the book of Genesis, he was in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, suggesting to them that God is withholding his best from them and tempting them to ignore God and disobey him. And then thousands of years later, Jesus bursts onto the scene saying that he has come to destroy the works of the devil. Notice he's not come to destroy the devil, but just his works. We do know that Satan's destruction, however, is indisputable. It's in the book of Revelation when there's, it talks about Jesus' second coming to earth. There's the great judgment of all people. And finally, Satan is thrown into the lake of fire and destroyed. Now, in the book of John, in chapter 3, Jesus says, the devil has been sinning from the beginning, and the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. And in John 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he means Satan in this case. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. So here are the key facts. Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus wants us to have abundant life and to destroy the devil's work. And every time we pray, we are engaging in spiritual warfare. We're joining with the whole forces of heaven, with God himself in this battle against evil. Imagine that you and I are part of a cosmic force overcoming evil. Cosmic force, you say, isn't that a bit over the top? But that's exactly what it is. And this is echoed in every single culture. Every culture around the world, there are stories of good versus evil, of minorities overcoming a, a vast armies, of, of difficult situations when the, the, the small person overcomes the bigger person. And the reason this echoes so strongly with us is because we long for good to overcome evil because it's a spiritual reality. In fact, it's the overall narrative of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, it's about God rescuing his people and bringing finally in goodness and peace. And in the Bible, it talks about a battle all the way through. And we are told that there is God's kingdom, there is Satan's kingdom. There is no, no man's land. And the battle is for our souls. You might say, that's unfair. I don't want to be in a battle. But whether you like it or not, we are. We are all in this battle. The battle for our soul and the soul of those around us. And the battle is for life and death. Good versus evil. God versus Satan. Okay, Satan, we can understand why he hates God. But why is he interested in us? Why does he hate us? That's because we are made in the image of God. And Christians who understand this and who are living obedient lives and who believe in the power of the Bible are a significant threat to him. What's really interesting is that when Satan was thrown out of heaven and he was thrown to earth, he could have been thrown to any other planet on the cosmos, but he wasn't. He was thrown to earth. So God chose 
God chose to allow Satan to be on earth. Now, there are some really big theological concepts here, which we don't have time to go into today. But what I do believe is God uses the tactics of the enemy. The very thing that the enemy uses to harm us, God turns around and uses to develop us into who we're supposed to be. I know that circumstances can be against us and that we can struggle with sin and sometimes we can feel quite despairing if we feel the odds are stacked against us. But Romans 8, 28 tells us that God will use all circumstances, good and bad, to develop us. It's not only the good stuff God uses, he also uses the bad stuff if we partner with him. In even awful situations, God will somehow bring good out of it. But of course, the devil's hoping that we'll be dumb enough to believe his lies and the lies that he's feeding into our mind. But the truth is God would not allow difficulties if he wasn't going to help us find a way through them. The very things that we struggle in are the very things God wants to give us victory in. And in 1 Timothy 6, it talks about fighting the good fight. Now, it's not a bad fight. It doesn't say fight the bad fight. It's fight the good fight. And you know why it's a good fight? Because we are set up to win. That is what God wants for us. So how do we fight this good fight? Well, I think that Satan uses some very common strategies to knock us off our course. I'd suggest they're quite simple. Number one, stop us believing in God. Number two, focus on our failures rather than God's power to have poor relationships and not to pray or read the Bible. Recognize any of those in your own life? Well, Satan primarily wants us to not believe in God. And often with Christians, he uses different versions of the same thing that he said to Adam and Eve. It's not very original, so he still keeps using that one. But basically, it will be something like trying to cause us to doubt God or doubt God's work in our life or doubt our ability to God or if we're moving out in a new area to doubt that we've heard God so that we start thinking, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I didn't hear God right. And other versions of this are to ask questions God's love for us. If God really loved you, he wouldn't put you through that. He wouldn't ask you to do that if he really loved you. And they're, in essence, the same thoughts he presented to Adam and Eve, which is God's withholding his best from you and he's not really very trustworthy. Another thing he might try and cause us to do is to doubt our salvation or suggest that our sin is too big for God to forgive or that we will never conquer that particular sin that we struggle with. But do you know, when it comes to overcoming a weakness, we may despair that we have failed again and that we'll never overcome it. But God looks at us and he knows that we're going to overcome it. But here's the key, if we don't give up. That is the key, not to give up. Satan will also attack our thoughts about relationships. And in the series, we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer, and the prayer tells us to ask God to deliver us from evil. Now, if you look at the slide, forgive us, the bits in highlighted in yellow, forgive us as we forgive others, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then after the prayer, Jesus says, if you forgive the sins of others, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive you. That's really serious stuff. And Satan will tempt us not to forgive others. That's why it says, lead us not into temptation in between asking for forgiveness. Don't be conned by Satan. The battle to forgive people is very intense. He will do everything he can to stop you forgiving others. Don't be conned. Sometimes we really 
can struggle in this and we may need prayer and support from other people to address sometimes very painful issues. But with God's help, we are able to forgive people that have hurt us. And then apart from trying to influence our thoughts, Satan may try to physically harm us. Jesus himself was very clear that demonic um, that Satan's demons attacked people. And there are lots of stories about Jesus delivering people from demonic oppression, whether it's children or adults. Let me say very clearly, spiritual principles don't change. If it was true in Jesus's day, it's true today, and it is true in the West just as much as everywhere else on the earth. Now, we do have authority over demonic forces. When I was working in a GP practice, I had a patient who came in to see me, and uh, he was well-known, this patient. And on this particular day, he was very out of sorts. He was shouting, swearing. He was very aggressive. He was a very big guy, and I'm pretty little. And uh, when he came into my room, he told me that he had a gun in his pocket, and he was going to go out and murder somebody. I was very, as you can imagine, very alarmed, very frightened, and also I felt very intimidated by this huge guy. But I managed to step out the room, and I phoned Ivan, my husband, on my mobile, and I said, quick, quick, we need to pray. I was in, you know, all a bit shaky, and we prayed. This was literally over a minute. And then I said, in Jesus' name, because I really believe this was demonic activity in this guy, in Jesus' name, I take authority over this demonic activity in him, and I bind you in the name of Jesus. And then I stepped back into the room, but I was completely unprepared for what I saw. He's sitting completely calmly, completely calm. If you'd seen him the minute before, you wouldn't have believed it. Even I was surprised. That's my level of faith there. Um, But sometimes we can be in dangerous situations, and it's wise on these occasions to have other people praying for us. And when I was at work, I used to wear a little cross symbol on my uniform so that patients would know that I was a Christian. And when I was working on a particular hospital ward, we had a very aggressive patient who seemed to get very violent whenever I came on the ward. And um, I've been attacked a few times by patients. Once I had a prolonged attack with a patient who tried to stab me in the neck with scissors. And these battles can be very real. But on this occasion, a lady patient came up for me on the ward. And she said, I'm a Christian. There are three other Christian patients on the ward. And we've recognized that you are under attack from this patient. So we're going to start praying for you right now. And we're going to pray for you for your protection. Hadn't even dawned on me, actually, I was under attack. I was just trying to get through the day. But she started, and the other patients started praying for me, and this guy settled straight down. I never had another problem. It completely changed the situation. So if we think we're in in dangerous situations, let's make sure we get other people to pray for us. And finally, Satan will do anything he can to stop us reading the Bible. Now, prayer is often our words, but the Bible is the word of God. And Tozer, a Christian pastor, said, if we go on to the next slide, um, anything that keeps me from reading my Bible is my enemy, however harmless it may appear. Wise words. And Matthew 4 tells us that when Jesus was being tempted by Satan, he used scripture against him. Now, you'd think, Jesus, he's God, he's the son of God, he could use any words he likes, like clear off Satan, get lost Satan, it would work. But he doesn't. Jesus, who is God, still quotes scripture. So we need to use Jesus as our blueprint and think if Jesus did it, I need to do it. So that's how Jesus fought Satan. But Satan will do everything he can to stop us reading the Bible and believing it because by it, God transforms our thinking. He changes our worldview so that we start to see things the way he sees them. And it's like he's saying to us, will you let me renew your thinking and allow yourself to be filled with the thoughts that I have and the way I view you? 
But you know how it is. You go to have your quiet time, you sit down, the doorbell goes, your phone rings, you suddenly think you need the loo, or my favourite one, I think, I'll just put some washing on so it can be doing while I have my quiet time, and then I get completely distracted in the kitchen and do something else. Or other, a lot of people have said every time they sit down to read the Bible or pray, they just fall asleep. These are spiritual distractions. Fight it, fight it, fight it, fight it. It is the enemy trying to distract you. And Jesus used the scriptures to fight Satan. So of course Satan doesn't want us to remember them or read them. When I first started trying to remember Bible verses, I just couldn't get it. I'd really tried. I'd repeat them over and over and I just couldn't remember them. And I thought, what is the matter? I can remember medical facts for my work. Why the heck can't I remember a Bible verse? But then I realized that there must be a spiritual battle going on here. So I started to use a verse to, to fight this. I would quote a verse from Philippians saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I will remember these Bible verses. Now, I had to do this for weeks. So after about three or four weeks, I noticed I could start to remember Bible verses, and now I have no difficulty about it. And in hindsight, I realized it was a spiritual battle going on with Satan trying to distract me from learning the verses. So I think we need to view that we want to get spiritually fit to fight. Now in normal circumstances, you don't get fit with your natural body by sitting on the sofa and stuffing biscuits. You've got to get off your butt, go to the gym and eat right. And when we're spiritually strong, we can fight back. I don't mean that we never feel low or discouraged and that we're bouncing with joy all the time. But what I do mean is that when things are really tough, instead of despairing and sinking to depression, we can start to think, I'm going to fight back with this. And don't you want to fight back when Satan's throwing all hell at you? Don't you want to just smack him one back? I know I do. I really do. And I think the main ways of fighting back are choosing to believe that God is with us and he will help us recognizing what tactics the devil's using on us and using the armor of God that talks about in Ephesians 6. Now, why is it called the armor of God? Because God doesn't wear armor, does he? But actually, in Isaiah 59, it said God put on righteousness as his breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. And it's like God saying, here, I'll lend you my armor. It's a real winner. Wear this. And that might be what Paul was thinking of when he wrote this in Ephesians 6. And here again, we see all those aspects we've been talking about earlier. We've got the helmet of salvation connecting with the idea of protecting our minds from the suggestions that the devil makes. The breastplate of righteousness talking about protecting our hearts making sure that we're living morally right and forgiving others. Then we've got the shoes of the gospel of peace. I think this is so lovely. It's armour, and yet it's talking about taking the kindness and grace of God out wherever we go. Then the shield of faith, talking about choosing to believe the Bible, because Paul says that extinguishes the fiery darts that Satan throws against us. And the belt of truth. Now, this one's really interesting, because if you think about a sword, it's in a scabbard and it hangs on your belt. So I think if we are not living truthful lives, if we're deceiving others in any way, I think it's a bit of a vain hope to think that we can use the word of God, which is the sword of spirit effectively. The sword of the spirit is what Paul talks about being the word of God. And Jesus is one of his titles is also the word of God. Um, And then we can use that to fight the enemy. But of course, it's the only piece of weaponry we have to fight Satan. And so, of course, Satan wants us to stop reading it. Now, some of you will know that I fought a long-running battle with depression and suicidal thoughts throughout my life. And every time I got into my car, this thought would come into my mind. Every time. 
You could just drive into a tree and it would all be over. And you know, I just thought it was part of the depression. I just thought that's how it was. And someone preached a sermon. They said, if ever you have suicidal thoughts, it's the enemy. And for me, it was like a light switched on. I came at the service. I went into the car park and I said out loud, I am never believing you again, Satan. Jesus has come that I will have life and I have it in abundance. That was 14 years ago. I have never had a suicidal thought since that point. I still wake up feeling low sometimes. But when, I, when that happens, I get up and I quote a verse from Thessalonians. Give thanks in all circumstances because this is God's will for you in Christ. And I just start thanking God for anything and everything. And within about 10 minutes, always, always my low mood lifts. So you know what? I think the enemy is intimidated by people who believe God, who apply the word of God and are living truthful lives. I found that declaring the word of God out loud to be really powerful. You know, when the devil whispers things in my mind, I just reverse it and thank him for the information. Of course, I use the word of God as well, but the most common one for me at the moment that the devil puts thoughts in my mind is about work. He says things like, you'll never get it done in time. It's such an enormous task. How can you ever do it? You haven't got enough resources. But so I just reverse it around and I just say, oh, thanks, Satan, for reminding me that God's going to help me in this situation. Great one. Thank you, Lord. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that you equip me for every good work, that I know that I have every resource I need in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. I will get this done on time. And do you know what? I always do. But the key thing is to make sure we are believing the word of God. And in Romans 8, it says, for I am convinced that nothing can separate us from his love. Death can't and life can't. The angels won't and all the powers of hell itself cannot keep God's love away. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow or even where we are, high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God demonstrated by our Lord Jesus Christ when he died for us. Wow, what a promise. And Romans 8 also says that God is with us and that we are more than conquerors. Well, you might say, I don't feel like a conqueror. I feel like a failure. I feel worthless. But we can't let what we feel dictate what we believe. And it's what we choose to believe and what we choose to act on. We can either spend the rest of our lives believing Satan's lies or allowing God to transform the way that we're thinking. And I can guarantee you, if you meet Christians that are full of hope and encouragement, they have chosen to allow God to marinate their minds in the word of God and transform their thinking about themselves so that now they know they can do all things through Christ. They are loved. They are more than conquerors. So I'd like to finish with this verse from Ephesians 1. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can see something of the future he's called you to share. And I want you to realize that God has been made rich because we, our Christs, have been given to him. And I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to those who believe him. So let's not give up. Let's fight the good fight. Let's encourage ourselves with the word of God. We have incredibly great power in Christ and we can stand against Satan and we can do what it says in the Lord's prayer for to pray for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.